Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. It is one thing to say that you're measuring and testing and another to make continuous improvement and optimization part of your company's DNA. Today, we're going to talk about going beyond simple A-B testing and how to build a culture of experimentation in your organization. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Brian Browning, Vice President of Technology at Kin and Carta. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. I'm really excited to be here and uh, have the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. Yeah, looking looking forward to, to talking with you. I know you and I have uh, worked together for, um, for several years now on and off on, on various things, but... Uh, it's our first podcast here together, so yeah, really, really looking forward to this. Um, so yeah, so let's let's start by um, let's talk about what we mean by a culture of of experimentation. Um, how would you define this, and how is it different than what some organizations might think of as simply performing tests and doing research and things like that on a regular basis? It's a great question. I think it's a great way to start sort of this exploration of the idea of experimentation, which, to be clear, is not necessarily a new concept, right? right. Um, in fact, a lot of organizations today, I think, would say, oh, sure, we do testing, you know, and I think it's important to sort of understand what we mean when we talk about a culture of experimentation. We really are talking about something that is an ingrained part of the ongoing processes. Uh, for example, let's say um, that you're working with a potential customer who wants to think of ways in which they can develop a better intranet or an employee experience. If you are able to prioritize 10 to 15 feature ideas and experiment with them, find out how actual users respond to those features before you commit to building that out, that's a great way of using experimentation as a validation exercise before you make a larger investment. And yet there's also opportunities to build a, a notion around experimentation that becomes ingrained in the ongoing operational activities that anybody has when it comes to digital platforms. So the idea of kind of moving away from constant redesigning websites and web projects and mobile apps and instead thinking about the idea of continually improving experiences is an important distinction. Um, experimentation enables that CICD, constant improvement, constant delivery kind of mindset, because it allows us to take data-driven analytical insights to build hypotheses upon them and then to execute them as well. I think a lot of people think of the, the phrase experimentation as A-B tests, and that is a big part of what experimentation is. But in our mind, what we're really trying to advocate for is the idea of embracing the culture of experimentation for both new project development, for continuing and ongoing operations, and to actually invest in a team and a methodology and tools around this that are fundamentally enabling in that capacity. Yeah, that's a great way to, to frame that. Thanks for, thanks for setting that kind of... Um... Uh, frame for the rest of the, the conversation. So I think as you, as you inferred as well, a lot of organizations are on board with this idea. They, the, whether they, they do some AB testing or some kind of experimentation, um, they, they're on board with it. I mean, this, the science speaks for itself, so to speak, but 
Um, what are, I think they often have a hard time making it part of their culture. And, and, and so, you know, what are some of these, the biggest stumbling blocks that organizations have in really doing, doing experimentation as more than just some one-off or ad hoc kind of things? It's a great question. And I think the answer might be potentially controversial. Um, and here's kind of the controversial part of this. I think a lot of organizations have, have people in place who have built reputations around the idea that they have unique insights into the customer base. And I think that's a really important thing. There really are people who have decades of experience in a particular marketplace who really do understand the customers. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, but that's not the end of the story in my mind. And it's certainly not in my experience. And the reason for that is that people are customers, the people that we're trying to, to persuade, to interact, to, to take actions, to convert, so to speak, are in fact organic creatures, right? They're not robots on the other side of this equation. If it was robots, then we could do nothing but a data-driven approach to everything and the data right. would say what the data says. Instead, we're dealing with human beings who are illogical, who are emotional, who make purchasing decisions, conversion decisions in all kinds of different ways. I mean, just think about the way that, that the pandemic over the last several years has completely shifted the idea of how we interact with organizations. Um, so it's important to remember that that we're dealing with something that does have a basis in data, but also has a component around um, the necessity of understanding a changing customer audience. And so people who have established sort of a political understanding inside the organization as being the guru, I alone understand the customer, I alone am able to dictate what will motivate a customer to take an action. That's probably some thinking that we need to challenge, right? Yeah. I think the opportunity to capture data that explains what customers are doing across a period of time reveals the fact that customers do have changing wants, changing needs, changing expectations as well. And so it's a combination of a data-driven approach mixed with human empathy measurement. And that's really kind of the secret sauce in my experience and sort of our approach to, to how we drive these. It's not just the data, which is objective and helpful, but it's also true Truly understanding the, I call them the squishy side uh, of the, the human experience, right? The illogical side, the, the emotional side, the way that humans change our, our expectations, our needs, our desires over time as well. Yeah. So we've actually developed sort of a methodology that combines sort of the idea of capturing what people do at a data level, right? In, in many respects, that's what analytics help us understand is something that's happened, an event has occurred. But we want to pair that with the ability to do measurements and understand that that human side to understand the motivations. What were they thinking? How were they feeling? Why did they take that action? And it's only really when you understand both sides of that equation that you really are in a position to, to form hypotheses that are actionable and can be driven through a culture of experimentation to really prove out the right path to move forward. I think in, in these initiatives, it sounds like, uh, like you have a, a great process to help your, your clients work through this and working directly with those teams is, is certainly a vital piece of it. But what about the leadership component? So, you know, at your at your customers, for instance, what do you what do you need from their leadership in order for something to be truly successful? And what what do you, what do you see as their role in in a in a transformation and and at an ex, a culture of experimentation? I think that's a, a pivotal point, right? I mean, as is many things, as is true with many things in, in organizations, having a, a leadership team that is focused and invested in taking experimentation to scale as a concept that's driven is really, really pivotally important. I think 
part of this is a two-step process. Part of this is that I think some leadership believes that that's what their organizations are doing. And so there's an educational gap that we have to broach uh, with our leadership so that they understand, you know, a culture of experimentation is not doing one or two A-B tests a week and saying, hey, we're doing optimization, we're doing testing, right? A culture of experimentation is the establishment of uh, a center of excellence focused around optimization and experimentation. Um, That culture is reflected in the idea of of dedicated team members whose focus isn't just content messaging, but is thinking about interaction redesigns, interaction flow efficiency, Um, certainly to include content variations, messaging variations. Those things obviously are a big part of this, but are looking holistically at things like performance. I mean, how many times have we thought about, you know, a user experience study where we have an interaction design that's got five steps in it and we work hard to consolidate those five steps to three steps, yeah. right? By using personalization, by being smarter about the way we do that. But if there's a technical glitch between step two and step three that causes that step three to take 10 seconds, then we're going to have a drop off that has nothing to do with user experience, right? Now we've had a security or a performance issue that is basically interceded in the middle of the experience. The end customer doesn't care. The end customer doesn't go, hey, it's okay that I'm going to wait 10 or 15 seconds for step three because I'm so enthralled with this user experience. The end user just says, well, I wanted to fill out the survey, but then it got hung up. So I got distracted and did something else. Yeah. So that culture and that commitment from the leadership team has to be holistic. It has to look at performance. It has to look across channels, not just websites, but mobile experiences, kiosks, retail experiences, omni-channel. And it really has to come from the top and say, listen, we're committed to this. We believe in this. In fact, our commitment is evidenced by the fact that we are on a path to to building a center of excellence around this. Our commitment is uh, demonstrated because there's not a web property or a mobile property that doesn't bake in this kind of tech seen as soon as we launch a new property, for example. What about from a technology or, or even a process standpoint, what are what does an organization need to have in place in order to make this, in order to enable this? That's a great question. I think it starts first and foremost with a solid underpinning of analytics, right? A lot of organizations use Google Analytics, Adobe Analytics, you know, having a comprehensive and a powerful analytic platform that allows you to track not just baseline data, but especially custom events so that we understand when events have happened and we have a a meaningful way to measure and record those is sort of step one. I think, unfortunately, for a lot of organizations, that's kind of where the step stops. You know, we know these things happened. We can look at the analytical reports. We can build hypotheses based on that and go forward. And yet we think that that approach actually misses some pretty important pieces. Again, we go back to that data-driven plus the human empathy measurement as well. So the analytics give us that data-driven input, but we do need to start thinking more about those other aspects, that human experience measurement. And so what we're starting to do is think more about what happens after the quote does effect has happened, right? Something happened. Let's think more about what that says about the experience from the the customer's perspective. What are they thinking at that step in the experience and how do they feel about that? So as you think about the idea of a customer journey, right? If we don't have that measurement around human experience management, then all we get is the data of what happened. So they dropped off in the earlier example I gave, they just dropped after step two. We're not realizing that that's a a performance or or a hang up issue or a technical issue that caused the user to be frustrated. So if we expanded beyond analytics to include tools that might help us identify what people feel, think, say, in addition to that, then I think you'll be able to tell the fuller story. 
So thinking about kind of the tools that we use, uh, Optimizely is a great platform that we've had a lot of success with when it comes to the idea of doing uh, A-B testing. Obviously, Google or Adobe Analytics is a great analytic platform that we believe in a lot. Um, Stories and tools like Full Story are, are also another tool that can be augmenting uh, sort of that data side. When we want to understand what people are saying, then we use tools like Usabilla, right? We're really trying to understand through surveys, through ratings and feedback, what was the the in context experience that you were having at that stage? Did you like this article? Did this form do what you wanted to do? Usabilla helps us to understand what people say as they're going through that process. Yeah. When we want to better understand what people are thinking through that customer journey, then we use tools like Lookback, right? Um, and so the idea here is, again, to kind of help capture these different stories and different aspects along this. Um, as we think about how people feel, we use tools like iEmotions. Uh, and we can actually do actual usability studies. We can do facial mapping to really try to understand, you know, are, are they angry? Are they sad? Are they confused with this part of the customer experience? And again, I think when you put this thing, these things collectively together, again, kind of stepping through the how do I collect that's, you know, uh, analytics and those kinds of tools. How do I then um, focus on the rest of that story with usability and with uh, other aspects of that experience? Then we ultimately have a chance to, to finally collect a full picture of the journey journey, understanding the full aspects, not just data, but also those human aspects of how they're feeling through the experience. And then we can go through a traditional approach around transforming the data from those different sources, analyzing them, visualizing them, and really being able to say in a quantifiable way, in a holistic capacity, this is what's happening with, with this experience. These are the opportunities for us to further experiment and evolve and ultimately to optimize this overall experience. So it's a combination of tools, it is people, and it's also a process that, that has to come together. But the results are incredibly powerful when you, when you take this, right? When you invest in that kind of um, holistic view, you can really solve fundamental challenges. Uh, I'll just give you two quick examples here, Greg. Um, yeah. One is a, an example of a hotel retailer that we worked with who was really focused on um, improving the reservation process for reserving a hotel. So they took the, the COVID downtime to, to make sure that they focus on optimization. And as a part of that, we actually did a series of different kinds of studies. We did analytic reviews of the material that existed at the time. We did some usability studies to really understand, did people understand kind of the way the flow worked? We put several experiments designs in front of them. And we were ultimately able to release a optimized version of that hotel reservation process that fundamentally was able to increase the conversion ratio by more than 75%. That's real money. That's real opportunities. Yeah. I think the second story that I'd want to share with you is with a, a very large luxury automotive uh, manufacturer in Europe. Um, they really bought into the idea of experimentation at scale. They started with a 90-day trial where we basically committed to doing 10 tests a month. So we did 30 tests over that period of time. And based on those initial results, they were really excited about it. And so they, they actually moved forward with the center of uh, excellence around experimentation and optimization. In the last 12 months, they've run over 120 tests that produced almost 900 individual changes in the entirety of their ecosystem. Some of that was straightforward stuff. A-B testing revealed that you know messaging needed to be revised or imagery was more motivational when it came to CTA conversions. But in other cases, we were able to uncover performance challenges that could be solved. 
the net result of all of that work was a 47% increase in test drive registrations, which is the number one KPI that they were focused on. So the more you invest in this, the bigger bang results that you receive. Switching gears a little bit here, um, you know, as I mentioned before, you and I have, have worked in, in various capacities. That I can't believe it's almost been a decade now that we've uh, been uh, involved in various projects and, and stuff like that together. But, you know, quite a few things have changed in, in the world since, you know, since the early 2010s. Um, so just, you know, a couple things to, to talk through is before we wrap up here. Do you think that uh, a lot of organizations are kind of just stuck in a less agile mindset? And, you know, how, how do you get them unstuck? You know, so in other words, there's the, there's the client aspect and, and you shared some amazing stories there of, of how, how, you know, your customers and, and the orgs you've worked with have been able to do this. How about on the, on the organizational side, it's like, how do they kind of get out of their own way sometimes? That's a great question. I think one of the challenges that we often have is, is that we need to go in there and demonstrate, you know, success. Like a lot of people, A, already feel like they're doing something along this line. And so they need to be educated as to the true power of, of what kind of return you get by just ratcheting that up at scale. And I think, B, you know, if you can demonstrate in a 90-day time frame that your process, your methodology, the tools that you're bringing to, to the table can produce measurable, quantifiable results, then I think they're a lot more open to making that bigger investment. So in a lot of cases, we will start with, like I said, you know, sort of a 90-day engagement that is focused on a unique pain point instead of looking at the entirety of the ecosystem. So uh, again, like uh, with the hotel client that we talked about, we had a very specific focus, right? Optimize the checkout process. Process. So again, building a program that's focused on solving that specific problem that was meaningful to them, solved that problem, moved the needle, and importantly, bought us the momentum and the credibility that we needed to say, okay, now that we've demonstrated that this works, let's look at the rest of the property. There's all kinds of opportunities to optimize this experience, and there's even more work we can do on the checkout process beyond what we accomplished. So it is a little bit about education. It is a little bit about demonstrating kind of... Um, quick results, and then being able to, to build that momentum and credibility into something that allows you to take on a more holistic approach. Then what do you see as the next step? You know, what should, what should organizations that, let's say they're a little further along and more open to, to change and, and experimentation, what should they be keeping an eye out for and, and finding ways to, to incorporate into their, their thinking and their experimentation? A great question. I, I think first and foremost is the idea of fundamentally rethinking the way that we build digital properties. And I think, you know, the best example I could maybe compare this to is kind of software development, right? So you think about Microsoft Office, widely considered to be sort of the go-to office productivity suite software. There was a time when that was sold, you know, on an annual basis, you know, Office 97, Office 98, Office 2000, et cetera, et cetera. And so the pressure was always on each year to come up with like new features, new capabilities, et cetera. But obviously with the move to Office 365 and the idea of, of moving away from buying discrete software packages that are installed and instead going to a subscription model means that you basically have a continuously delivered subscription to Microsoft. Microsoft Office. The pressure is still on to justify each annual subscription. So there's a incentive and the finances, frankly, to continue to innovate and grow because there's value in that. But yeah. just like we've sort of transitioned from buying software and installing it and then buying new software and installing it instead to, to the subscription-based model, a similar thing 
is available to us when it comes to the idea of web properties or mobile applications, right? So instead yeah. of committing to, I call it the big bang, every three to five years, completely revamping your website properties, um, instead of focusing on that, instead kind of follow the subscription model, right? Build the base platform, maybe an MVP, and then continually experiment, innovate, and grow. And that's really where these two two concepts sort of come together, right? This idea of instead of, I think one of the downsides is if I redesign the website in five years, then 80% of what I'm doing is redesigning content and experiences that already exist. So I'm spending 20% of that budget every three to five years to do something new or innovative, build the owner center or create something that instead of that approach, build the MVP and then continually offer a uh, validated set of experiences and features. And again, this is where the experimentation, um, makes the most sense. You can have that MVP. You can say, I think there's five great ideas based on our studies or analytics, voice of customer. There's five new features we should add to the site that would increase conversions, add value. Let's test those before we go to the full-scale commitment of building those out. And so you have sort of a mindset shift that says, let's continuously improve. Let's use data and experiences to prove that the features that we're building are meaningful and are moving the, 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 the table down the or moving the ball down the field, so to speak. Great. No, that's that's great. Well, this is this has been great, Brian. Thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you and and Ken and Carter are doing? Uh, you can certainly follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, my uh, URL there is LinkedIn.com/slash/in/in/slash/BrianBrowning. You can also follow me at Twitter on uh, on Twitter rather at Brian Browning. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Brian Browning, Vice President of Technology at Kin and Carta for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.